0: If you will, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, message tonight entitled, Be Encouraged. Every time I read this text, every time I think about this text, I am encouraged and I hope that you are. If you have found it, let's stand together to read verses 13 through 18, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's in the New Testament. All right. Pick it up, remember all the things we read about this morning, the life pleasing to God, and now this title is the coming of the Lord. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Father, take this portion of your word tonight and encourage our hearts, set our sights on you and when you return to get us, Lord, we love you and we thank you for loving us so deeply. Lord, help if there's one here tonight who cannot look forward to your soon return. I pray that tonight will be the night that you will implant on them this call to make things right between you and them. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> thank you. You may be seated. I know some of you remember this old song. Sure could use a little good news today. Do you remember that? One of my favorite Canadian artists, Anne Murray, brought it out first. Loved to hear Anne Murray sing. She had all kind of, of number ones, but sure could use a little good news today. You know, you kind of like that, don't you? Because most of us, as we look around this culture, as we see what's going on in this country, as we see what's going on in the world, as we see what's even going on in the church, as we read the paper, as we watch the news, as we hear the pundits, as we try to make sense of it, boy, we could use a little good news. Amen? For the model church and the model believer, this scripture should offer us a wealth of encouragement that this is not the all. This is not all. This is not the end. Now, I want to be honest with you because I think we need to be honest. God's Word is truth. I want to say that again. God's Word is truth. And truth does not always seem good all the time to our fallen minds. There are some times when, when it sounds, doesn't sound good to people on earth. And even sometimes people, Christ, uh, those who name the name of Christ take issue. In the end, when that scripture says all things work together for good, it didn't say for your good, it didn't say for my good. It says for the good, for the eternal good, to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. But here's what I'm going to tell you. It's hard to encourage someone. Are you following me? It's hard to encourage someone who has made a conscious decision to resist, replace, or reject the grace of Jesus because not much good lies in their future for those who have have chosen to follow Christ just a different thing now those outside of Christ you know they may get the best job and make a lot of money they may live in the finest house they may have a, a gold ring on every finger but here's what I'm what I know is the gold on fingers today that we pay so much money for is going to be pavement one day where I'm going we're going to walk it's kind of like that that scripture where jesus says what good is salt after it's lost its savor?" you just put it out and literally that picture is they would take the salt and it would become a roadway and all it was good for was you to trample on that's how the gold of this world is going to be because things of this world do not have much value within the eternal currency market so what i want to do Is is I want to point us to the encouragement. I want you to be encouraged tonight just about you're not going to believe it. Two things. Two things. The first thing I want you to be encouraged about, we're going to kind of take it back backwards from how the scripture lays it out. I want you to be encouraged, first of all, about the Lord. I want you to be encouraged about your Lord. Now not every religion, and I will end when I get to the end, we'll talk about that a little bit. Not not every religion can be excited about their Lord. Paul says here, "I don't want you to be uninformed." Verse thirteen. You know what that word is translated maybe New International, but in some translations it says, "I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be without knowledge. Because if you're ignorant, if you're out without knowledge, then you become discouraged. You become uninformed." And watch this. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep. That you may not grieve as others who have no hope. Watch this. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Now, I'm going to pause there. You want something to be encouraged about? Here it is. Jesus our Savior came to earth, He lived a perfect life, He died the death of a sinner on the cross, and He rose from the dead. And not only that, He ascended back to heaven, where well, right now, people say He's seated, and I'll get into that. I think He may be standing already, but He's He's at the right hand of God making intercession for us, folks, if Jesus is still in the tomb, we have no reason to be encouraged. If He is in the tomb, we have no reason to have hope. In fact, it says, as those who have no hope, you see, the truth is, Paul tells us that, that if Christ is not risen, then we of all people are most miserable. But then he goes on, if you go back to chapter 15, and he pounds on the pulpit, he says, But now Christ has risen from the dead, and he's become the first fruits of all the rest, which means that he did it first, so that we can do it with him. That's what it means. I want you to be encouraged by the Lord for three things that I see here. First, I want you to see that in this event that encourages us so much, that there will be a declaration. There'd be a declaration. It says... The Lord himself will descend from heaven, verse 16, with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet call of God. Literally, that sound will be, here I come. Now, I'm about to blow some of your theology. Some of you have heard me say this before. A song that Jamie sings, and I love to sing. He and I have talked about this many times, how, how this song, A Midnight Cry. Speaks to all of us heart. But the words say this. I hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. It's closer now than it's ever been. I can almost hear the trumpet as Gabriel sounds the call. It's a great song, but I think it's horrible theology. I don't believe in my heart that Jesus came to live and die and resurrect and at sin go through the abuse and is seated at the right hand of God to intercede for us, that when God looks over and gives him the nod to go, that he goes, okay, Gabriel, I'm going to delegate this to you. I'm going to tell you what I believe within my heart, a deep conviction. I believe Gabriel will not sound the trumpet. I believe it is the voice of Jesus. Oh, I knew that would be big. Why do I say that? It's the trumpet call of God. If you go to Revelation chapter 1... John, who knew Jesus so well, leaned on his breast in in that earthly place we call the upper room. You get to chapter 1 of Revelations, and it says, verse 9, I, John, your brother and partner in the kingdom and uh, and the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the Isle of Patmos on account of the Word of God and the testimony. Watch this. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a voice like a trumpet. And then it says, and I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of those lampstands was one like. The Son of God. You read on, you'll discover that the voice of Jesus is like a trumpet. It's like cascading waters. I believe that the declaration will come from no other person except Jesus Himself. He is going to step out, step in, and He's going to declare to us, Here I come. The Lord Himself will descend with a shout. Oh, I can sense the excitement falling. I'm sorry. You know what I'll tell you that he he will come. Now on earth today we can get discouraged about a number of things. We are witnesses. Those my age and older. Those a little bit younger than us, you probably have seen some of it. But we are witnesses to the one of the greatest moral freefalls in the history of the world. We are seeing what I would would argue the greatest Christian nation in all of the history of the world crumble. I look at Piper turning nine years old and I look at our other kids And without divine intervention, I'm afraid that this nation will be disintegrated before they're adults. We see worldwide, not for the first time, but first time on this massive scale in many hundred of years, we see Christians in mass being martyred because of their belief. And by the way, it's not just in Syria. It's not just in Syria. Part of our issue is that we keep our heads buried in the sand, and if we don't see it, it can't be happening. If you really become aware of what's going on, it's very easy to be discouraged but just remember this, our hope is not in this world. If I don't open my eye in the morning, it's okay. Because I will be with the one who come to save me. Watch this. But one day there's going to be a shout. One day there's going to be the voice. Sounds like an archangel, because it has the trumpet. and It'll be Jesus saying, here I come. Moves from a declaration the second thing he says, there's going to be some revelation. A revelation. You see, when he shouts, here I come, then he's going to appear. Hello? Hello? He's going to show himself. I can imagine that maybe when that voice shouts, maybe it kind of breaks up the eastern sky because in some way that eastern sky is going to roll back and he is going to be revealed. Can you picture in your mind uh, the eastern sky rolling back and Whitney, as we sing, there he is. The one we love, the one we serve, the one we worship, the one we waited for. He's the crucified one, He's the resurrected one, He's the triumphant King, He's the victorious Lamb, He's the Lamb of glory, and He's returning for those who love Him. You see, I understand in theology that the Bible quite likely teaches that this. Disappearance is what we know as a rapture. Is, would be paralleled. 1 Corinthians 15, we'll read in a second. Revelation chapter 4. I understand that. But when you think about Jesus coming, the rapture and the revelation, you think about how he is revealed. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Not everybody's going to be real excited. Huh. They're basically going to be... When Jesus calls the earth to close, there's basically going to be two... Reactions. The first reaction is the one I like. Baptist. I'm really glad to see this. I know it's a little harder on those my age and older, but I am glad to see when I go to a Baptist meeting, you see preachers and people raising their hands to the Lord because that's going to be one of the first responses. When we really behold who He is, it's going to be humbling. It's going to be in, being in the presence of a king. And I, and I envision... That those who have trusted Christ, those who have followed Christ, those who have loved Christ, those who have served Christ, those who have sold out lock, stock, and barrel to Christ are going to be standing or kneeling with their hands raised to the one who saved them. By the way, i got to thinking about that. Lock, stock, and barrel. That's an old phrase. We don't use that anymore. Kids won't even know what that is. But I dare say that most of us don't know where that phrase comes from because I didn't until I looked it up. It comes from like the 13th century, the 14th, 1500s, probably somewhere around the UK. Now, back in those times, they didn't sell guns like a rifle. They sold muskets. And you could buy the musket. If you didn't have enough money to buy the whole thing, you could go in and you could buy the flintlock. It could be a flintlock or matchlock, firelock. But it was called, It was the firing mechanism of that musket in <clears throat> And you could buy that. It was called a lock because it resembled to the locks that they used on the door. So there was the lock, and then you could buy the stock that goes against your shoulder, and then at some time you could buy the barrel. And when you bought it, lock, stock, and barrel, you bought everything you need. It was complete. You see, folks, when we sell out to Christ, lock, stock, and barrel, we give him all that we are. We don't just give him a little bit and hold the rest of it back. Those are that's the people that he's coming that he's coming to get. But I hate to tell you this. That's the minority. That's the minority. In the context of the second coming, the majority of people on earth, when He's revealed, they will go to the rocks and the mountains, the hills, and they'll pray to be covered because they will try to take refuge from the One who has really offered them refuge all along? Anybody who is outside of Christ is going to be in that condition. I, I, I must confess to you, and I'll do this a couple of times, I, this is sad to me in some ways that people will be left behind. You see, this at this time when it's when it's revealed, when he's revealed, it will separate the wheat from the chaff. It'll separate the sheep from the goats. And it'll separate the authentic followers of Christ from those who've played the game. You won't be the preacher doing it. It won't be some minister doing it. It won't be a teacher doing it. At that point, it really won't even be God doing it. You know why? It'll be the person who has made his decision because God comes to everyone in grace and offers them a way home. Jesus comes back. Listen, have you thought about that? You see the face of Jesus. Jesus revealed and then let me tell you one other thing happens and be encouraged about this it's what i'm going to call for lack of a better term transformation it could be translation watch watch the, watch the book watch how the story goes verse 17 says tells us that then we who are alive and are caught will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air i'm going to tell you something's going to have to happen to me to be able to fly y'all got what i'm saying this body this body doesn't fly very much. And, and as Paul writes here, he's telling them what he knows. Here's some things you need to remember. Thessalon, this, church, this first letter to Thessalonians was the first letter they'd penned. Obviously, Paul is still growing. But watch this. When he writes a few years later to the church at Corinth, God has revealed some things to him. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 15 following. i tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So there's got to be a transformation. Nor does perishable inherit Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, I I do know this. One church put that scripture over their uh, nursery door. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And if you stand in the nursery, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Back to the message We shall not all sleep. We shall not all, we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable. This mortal body put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on imperishable, and mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory can you get your mind around that day when Jesus returns and all of us who are left here are transformed are translated we are the bodies that we have presently change how to by the way you know everybody gets a new body even the folks that go to, to the place called hell will get a new body because if you put this body in the fire, it will be gone in no time. God's going to have to give them a body that they can endure punishment forever and ever and ever. There's going to be trans- transformation of the people. And but, and brothers and sisters, we really don't know what we'll be like. I can't tell you what what we're going to look like, but I know this, John wrote it this way, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But watch this. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we'll see him just as he is. Boy, you want you want something to be excited about? The mortal transfers to immortality, the, corruption to in, uh, the incorrupted to the corruption, the perishable to imperishable. You know what? Let's just sing this. What a day, sing it with me, that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. And when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. Oh, what a day. Glorious day, that will be. Folks, you want a reason to be encouraged or excited? Here it is, our Lord. But there was another thing that Paul was trying to communicate to these folks he wrote, because one of the problems in the, in the church had become, and a lot of time had passed since Jesus had died, since Jesus had ascended to, to heaven, and since Paul begin to lead them to the Lord, and some of their loved ones begin to die. They begin to pass from this life. And there was a murmur. It was a Baptist church, first Baptist Church of Thessalonica. There was a murmur going on where I oh, thought it was funny, thank you for that laugh. There was a murmur going on, where are our loved ones? Will we ever see our loved ones again? And I just want to tell you something. Donnie Barger and I, last time we had lunch together, we talked about this in depth. We have become way too uh, affectionate about what goes on in heaven. It is true that we'll probably see. I have a mama in heaven. I love my mama. I'll see her one day, but she won't be my mama again. Some of you have spouses in heaven. That's great. You'll get to see them, but they won't be your spouse. You see, mom, dad, grandparents—they won't. This new relationship is going to be much deeper than this human existence. We're going to be brothers. And we're going to be sisters. We're going to be bought by the blood of the lamb, not the blood of this earth. Be encouraged of our of our of how we how we share together in eternity. And I'll just give you three quick thoughts, and we're done. First of all, he offered them a word of reassurance. He said, guys, don't be informed. I want you. I want you to be informed. I want you to know what's going on. So don't be uninformed and don't grieve needlessly. Have you ever seen people that seem to grieve all the time? I mean, they're the people that the glass is half empty instead of the glass half full. If you show them an opportunity, they can point out a problem. Y'all, got what I, y'all know what I'm talking about? You see, Paul didn't want them to grieve. He, in fact, he says, if I can get back to the right place, he says, don't grieve like others who have no hope. Hmm. Wow. For people who do not, do not know Jesus like the Gentiles like like lost people, is that they do have no hope. They have no hope of ever seeing their loved ones. They have no hope of knowing what's going on. But for us who know Him, we can be reassured that when Jesus returns, watch this, He will bring those with Him. Then, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, He says for... Verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. I'll just tell you a couple of things. Three times in verses 13 through 15, three times he talks about them being asleep, not dead. Be encouraged. Be reassured. If you have a loved one gone on, it is true. You'll get to see them again. It may not be that same relationship, but you'll get to see them again in a relationship that's far deeper than anything we can imagine. We see now uh, in a glass darkly. Then we'll see face to face. We'll see and know as we are known. The reassurance. Second thing I want to tell you about the about the uh, uh, loved ones is that there's going to be a resurrection. Now this is a little confusing. God's going to bring some with him, and some are going to be resurrected. Have you ever thought about that? God's going to bring some with him. It's going to be resurrection. Now, what, how, what's that about? Well, physical bodies in the ground. Spiritual bodies already at a place called paradise. Those souls come with those bodies. Those bodies re- resurrect. They're transformed, translated. The souls and bodies join together in the air, and you'll live with him forever and ever and ever. It's, it's a resurrection. Now, Listen. I understand you're not really excited about this, but when you get your hands around it, you can't help but be excited because the last enemy that mankind has is death. People are afraid to die because death has the air of finality. How many times have I stood at this funeral in the last nine years? More than that, but at least the last nine years, and said, look, the person that we're saying goodbye to What we call a sunset, they call sunrise. What we call the end, they call the beginning. What we call death, they call life. You see, the truth is there's going to be a resurrection one day. Our last enemy was death, and it was defeated by Jesus. Now, watch this. Jesus came to earth, he lived and he died, and he stayed graveyard dead in the ground for three days. Why in the world three days? I mean... He was God. If he wanted to come back immediately, why didn't he just come on back? Well, you can, your guess is as good as mine. I can give you some thoughts. If he had died and came back immediately, some of them would have said he just swooned. He really didn't die. Why three days? Well, could be to, could be to just fulfill prophecy. As Jonah was in the belly of the well, so the son of man shall be in the belly of the earth. That could be it. But I can tell you what, practically it could be. Three days, there were no. You couldn't survive in a tomb for three days. You there, three days? In the words of, uh, I think Martha about Lazarus, she said, "Lord, he stinketh." Jesus was in the grave, and he came back to prove this point. He he came back for all to see. He came back as the first fruits. He came back. To show the empty tomb to the world. Because he lives. We can live. But on this day, watch this. The sound, the sky, our Lord. And we're looking around to see what's going on. And the Bible says that the dead in Christ will rise first. You've heard me say this many times. The reason they rise first is they got six to eight foot further to go than we do. You see, the truth is, I've heard people say this at that resurrection. I've heard people say, man, I'd love to be in a graveyard and have a lost person on each side of me so I could grab grab them and say, turn or burn. But I just want to say this to you. That day, our attention will not be on them, but it will be on him. But I'm very sad for those folks will not make it. For whom the resurrection will mean nothing. For whom they'll never experience the transformation into into life. Because the wheat, the sheep, will be taken. And the tares and the goats will be left. And people who thought they were going to have an opportunity to talked their way out of it, are going to be left. Tonight, for those who have trusted Christ, for those who walk with Christ, for those who live with Christ, for those who serve Christ, it will be a great day. But for the person who has any measure of doubt in his heart or head, it's going to be a sad day. Because for those who have not committed lock stock and barrel they'll be left behind there's one more thing that I think about our loved ones that will be encouraging and you'll love me saying this there'll be reunion there'll be reunion because it says that we who left caught caught up together in the clouds will meet the Lord in the air and will always be with the Lord Again, I think this is misunderstood. We will see our loved ones, and we will love to see those folks who go to Actually, people, some of the people that I really want to see the most, I want to see Peter. I'm going to say, Cat, you are like me. I know what it is to put you, my foot in my mouth. In fact, I'm so flexible, I can put both feet in my mouth at the same time. I, I want to see John. I want to see Stephen. I mean, I can go right through the list. I want to see some of these saints of old. I'm not sure. I have multiple family. You know, you know you're getting old when you have more family over there than you do over here. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. I have those folks I want to see. But listen, the reunion that I'm looking forward to is I get to be reunited with the Lord Jesus. That's the reunion to be excited. You want something to be excited about? So many religions have such weird beliefs about the end of time. You know, I... I don't. I'm about to say some things, and I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just, for me, it doesn't make sense. Purgatory doesn't make sense to me. To be absent from body is to be present for the Lord. That's pretty clear. Purgatory—that's our Catholic friends. Nirvana makes less sense to me. You ask what somebody what Nirvana is. It's a state of perfect nothingness. Nothingness. Heard Mike Warnke say many years ago, "Oh, I've been there. It's just outside of Des Moines. Nothing." And then you get into this growing religion, Islam. You know, if you read, if you read with an open mind, you'll discover that the Muslims believe in in punishment for a period, and when you've had enough punishment, then you get to go to paradise. They believe in the punishment and. And the eternal reward, several problems. Their God is not clear as what it takes. Of course, if you, if you martyr yourself in the service, you get to go to paradise. But outside that, you really don't know. Because your good and your bad is weighed in the balance. You want a reason to be encouraged? It's not my good that gets me into heaven. It's the good of my Savior. It's the forgiveness of my Lord. Brothers and sisters, Christianity is the, is the one religion. It's not really a religion. It's the one belief system where God did not just come once to earth, but He's coming back again. And I want to tell you what I believe, and I want this to be a motivation for us all. I said earlier, I didn't believe that Jesus was sitting at the right hand of God. I go back to Acts chapter 7. Stephen is closing his eyes in death as the stones pelt his head and his body. And And the scripture records he looked up and he says, man, I see Jesus. And he's standing at the Father's right hand. Why in the world was he standing? Well, most of us have pontificated that Jesus was just saying, God, just let me go take care of it. Just let me go. Give me the word. Give me the nod. Let me go. I believe that Jesus is watching over this earth, and he sees how bad it's getting. And I believe that he's standing at the right hand of God. And I don't even think he's waiting for God to say, go. I just think he's waiting for God to look over and say, I believe it's that soon. For those who are ready, it's an encouragement. If anyone's in here and you're not ready, it scares you to death. May God make us ready tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how it speaks to our hearts. I pray if anyone in this room is not ready to meet you and receive you, if anyone is not sold out to you, I pray that tonight will be the night that they do so. I pray that you'll speak to our hearts. Convict us where we've missed you. Encourage us where we've walked with you. In Jesus' name I pray.